Welcome everybody to our uh, brand new um, format. Well, the format's pretty much the same, but a brand new episode of our live Puget Systems podcast. I'm still thinking of a name since we've only moved it to we're we've moved to only Fridays, so it's no longer just a lab's open office hour. It's going to be a, a variety of content, beginning with our uh, very handsome uh, Jared. Uh, tech, one of our tech consultants. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, Jared. Well, thank you, Houston. Great to be here. Uh, my name is Jared Lewis. I'm one of the tech consultants here at Puget Systems. So my job is, in a nutshell, to talk to people about their workflow, find out the applications that they're using, and sort of uh, interface that with our testing data and what we know about these different applications and kind of find the best hardware setup for what they want to do. That's kind nice. of it in a nutshell. But the idea is if you come to me with a range of different things that you use your system for, I'm going to dial it in so we make sure that we're we're getting you the best value for performance in terms of the, the hardware that we put together. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. You get to deal with some interesting, challenging, different types of work. People are doing everything from you know graphic design to scientific analysis to deep learning, you name it. So it's a, it's a really exciting thing to, to work directly with our customers. Yeah. And from, I, I have to agree that um especially because i do this sort of thing with um so, some of our customers here and there and um or clients that we've you know influencers or whatever that we work with and it's endlessly fascinating to get a peek behind that curtain and kind of see more about what they do beyond or that's beyond just the surface like like the stuff that you see published and whatnot is very very cool um, in particular, um, I kind of wanted to point out, uh, we recently had a very, uh, very cool video made by a gentleman called, uh, named Andrew Davis, where, um, he talks about more of the customer experience and that's kind of, you're kind of the first point of contact for a lot of people. And what do you, so like, how does that go? Um, somebody calls you up and I suppose we can use Andrew as a, as a, specific example so how did that start um andrew um we have a couple different ways you can contact us obviously by phone by email you can um through our website there's inquiries on different pages where you can actually look at a system and say i think this setup is the right setup for me or i use this application mm -hmm. i kind of want to know more i have some more questions and it sends us kind of a general inquiry so i had responded to him and Typically, the, the first thing we find out is just how do you use the system? What are you using the system for? What what are your specific? That's kind of everything kind of comes after that. What are mm -hmm. we what are we trying to accomplish here? Whether that's pain points from your previous system or, you know, here's the applications I use. This one runs great. This one doesn't. Um, so I just got an idea to kind of reach out to him and find out what his goals were from looking at the system. Nice. And, and so what, like, what was some of the things he was struggling with? Biggest issue. Andrew is a speaker and an author, really engaging guy. I mean, right away, it's just the kind of person who their voice over the phone just grabs you. And like a lot of people, he has had to adapt his workflow to remote. Mm -hmm. So even people who do, whether that's athletic coaching, I, I work out on, you know, remote podcast videos now that my trainer provides, things like oh, that. Cool. So he's having to adapt his business to working from home. And what he found was that his current hardware didn't allow him to 
handle the streams, whether it was the number of streams, where he was located. He couldn't broadcast and stream to conduct his meetings the way that he needed to. He also does some video editing mm-hmm. because he has a YouTube channel and some some podcasts that he does. Um, so it's kind of a, hey, I need a system where I can interface with my customers without any issues. I also yeah. need to be able to edit these videos. And those are two pretty different, you know, hardware. When we look, I look at everything from hardware and I go, okay, this video editing is a little more demanding for mm-hmm. streaming where right, right processor and we can get it done. So that, that was kind of the focus was we got to put him in a package that can handle all those because right now he can't travel as none of us can. So it's right. a interesting challenge, but we, we managed to find a good solution for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I'm also curious um, what's and without naming names, because sometimes that's not okay. Um, I'm curious about um, maybe one that was that stands out as being either particularly challenging for you or just kind of cool and interesting. Oh, boy. Um, Maybe I should have prepared you for that one. (laughs) (laughs) The cool and interesting side. I'll start. I'll start with that one. Mm -hmm. Um, I have dealt with people who produce motion graphics for movies, TV shows that all of us have seen. Very cool when you get a, to speak to that person. They'll say, hey, I do all the, the, the video graphics for the special effects for director so-and-so or for this studio. Um, the, the, I got to tell you, the engagement with the scientific community to me is probably the most exciting thing about this job. When you have someone on the phone who says, hey, I'm a research scientist at MIT, and we're studying you know, the way that nerves conduct movement of pain you know, doing MRI, and some of these people are doing cutting-edge work, and this, yeah. this can sound a little bit um, – it makes sound a little bit by like a Boy Scout, but some some people are researching to eliminate devastating diseases. People who are trying to make other people's lives better, the world better, and they're calling you to say, "How do I how do I get the hardware to do this?" You really feel like you're a part of something pretty special. That stuff is really really exciting to me because I, I look at my life and think, what in what other situation would I be in the same room with an MIT research scientist? Yet here I am on the phone helping this person accomplish those tasks. Um, those That's really cool. get me fired up. Those get the blood yeah. flowing. Um, I would say the most, as far as complicated, sometimes you will get a usage case that is very very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dealt with a couple inventors and, and when someone is creating something for the first time, Houston, yeah. there's no textbook. You know, I can look at most any other application, even high performance scientific applications. I can usually find somebody who's done it, sure. figure out how they, how they did it and replicate the hardware. When someone comes to you and said, I had a guy who called and he, he invents, um, things for the aerospace industry kind oh. of a rocket scientist. Yeah, I've come up with a new system for such and such. How do I power that? And you, you go, I have to be upfront. I don't know, but I can do some research and we can get you a, a pretty good guesstimation. Um, those can be really challenging because yeah. you don't always have the best answer. You have to just, here's the information I have. And the inventor takes it from there. <laughs> wow. Keeps you on your toes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Like, I imagine, I imagine some of that research just starts with Google, but are there, are there any um, resources that you've turned to for those kind of questions? I certainly don't use one. I'm a big fan of let's let's find four or five different pieces of input mm-hmm. and use them. The, f- the first thing I do, obviously, yeah, I do some Google research. It is is what they're using, even if it's a very very unique software that is not 
licensed worldwide or not licensed by is there any information i've gone as far as having conversations with the software developer um oh wow like we've had an issue we had a a, a, a photogrammetry project uh, where the person was using metashape and was yeah. using it at specs we had never seen before like we look at image sets of like 500 to a thousand image this person was doing flights with two hundred thousand images and i had to go as far as getting the person who wrote the software all those years ago on an email saying hey what do you think and it was fascinating to watch the person who created this from scratch break down how the application would actually use it that's so amazing you do that research uh, the other thing is i reach out to other customers if i have mm -hmm. customers who are in a similar space um similar industry sometimes i'll say have you do you have any experience with this can you can you provide any insight um and i'm sure as you know as he's been on the, the the broadcast here we have an excellent resource here at puget systems dr don kinghorn Don's oh, yeah. a, a phd in theoretical chemistry he's a high performance computing you know guru and don not only with his own expertise but having the mind of a research scientist typically can guide you in certain pathways or at least say hey think about this be aware of that mm -hmm. and a lot of times with three or four different resources i can kind of bring that all together and tell the customer here's what i know Here's what I'm unsure of, but think I have an answer for, and here's what I can't tell you. And it, if nothing else, it can get you a few more steps down the pathway of what hardware you need. Don't always have a definitive answer, but a lot of times we can get close enough that we know what we're going to be, what to expect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious about a time where things maybe didn't go quite right. Like you, you, we, we've, we've, and, and I, this would be kind of for all of us. Cause it's not always, it's not all just on you. Every step of the line, um, it, it all has to go right. So I'm curious it, about a time where despite all of the research the, and best effort, it just maybe didn't turn out quite right. Uh, in my experience. And, and also what we perhaps did to fix it. My experience, the only time I've had that happen um, has been when I don't have all the information. Okay. Hardware is – computer hardware is manufactured. The, every one in a million a part might be stamped wrong. That stuff's fixable. I can get you a new part. Yeah. If I don't know everything about what you're actually using the system for and you're using it for something that it wasn't designed to do, or um, you're using it in an environment, maybe that's causing it to overheat or can damage the part. That's the only mm -hmm. time I've experienced that. Um, I did have a user once who called and put together a system for Photoshop. I'm a, I'm a lifelong photographer. Photoshop's something I use. I know how to design for it very well. The customer had failed to mention and, and volunteered this. When he got the system, it was overheating, crashing, all kinds of problems, and said, well, I didn't tell Jared that I also plan to use this for, I think it was like 6K video editing, 4K gaming, several applications oh. that had I known, I would have said, okay, we need to look at a different set of hardware. Um, so we did try a few corrections. Eventually we found that the best option was to take the system back, rebuild it into a, a, a little bit better format that was more um, suited to what they were planning to do. But the biggest cause of that was, that's why that, when you mentioned that earlier, that initial conversation is so important because the more we know about what you're trying to do or what pain points you're having, the more we can eliminate those issues. And and I want to know everything. People will tell you, even if it's something pretty basic, I just use it for surfing the web and email. And then they'll slip in and 8K video editing. Whoa. <laughs> You know, that's a that's a big huge case exactly. So it, it um 
that information is so crucial because sometimes these components utilize the hardware differently. And most of the time we can adapt it, but sometimes there is some stuff that has to be specialized for that. So mm-hmm. I would say that's probably the one time I've run into that is not knowing the whole picture. And then we, yeah. we put together something that's not quite the best fit. Hmm. That actually brings up a, a good question for, for my mind is how – how do you go about getting that information from a customer? Um, I, I've done like tech support in the past, and oftentimes the the problem isn't the the real problem, right? That or or doesn't necessarily expose the cause. And so, like, what do you have any tricks that you use to kind of get the right stuff out of a customer? Um, you know, the first thing is I, I kind of do it in layers. Okay. First thing is, what are you using the system for? Mm-hmm. And then based on their response, some people will give you two pages in that response. Some people will say video editing. Okay. And then we take that first response and sort of fleshes out what application are you using for video editing? Oh. Mm-hmm. And then we have to get into some more in-depth stuff. What resolution are you working in? What's the codec, the camera? Um, how are you connecting the camera to the system? I mean, there's so many oh. different things that can affect performance that when you're a content creator, you want to you want to do what you have a passion for. Mm-hmm. I take my car to a mechanic because I don't know how to work on an engine and I trust them to do that. Mm-hmm. They specialize in that. I specialize in computer hardware and someone who's a video editor or a motion graphic designer wants to focus on their passion and hopefully be productive at it. So they don't always know to ask those questions. And, and, right. and one thing I, I've seen you say, I've had people call and put together top notch systems for any, I mean, six or eight K video editing, deep learning. And then we come to find out it's what I call a workflow problem. Oh. They're, they're utilizing the hardware or the software in a way that is actually causing the bottleneck. I've had a person, I remember I had a user with a, a phenomenal photography business. He did this multi-layered astrophotography and we're talking Photoshop files up to six gigabytes. Wow. Photo, which is massive. That's huge. Photoshop file. And what we eventually determined from, from talking to him was that he had this wonderful setup, top of the line computer and was using a very antiquated external hard drive to work off of. Oh. And the bottleneck was the pathway he was using to access his images. And so it was great because you're able to tell this person, you don't, you don't need a new computer. What you need to do is move your hard drive internally and work from there. So every little aspect can, you know, when you're working in a program like Premiere Pro, some codecs are streamlined and optimized better than others. Mm-hmm. Some will play nicer, some are newer. They just haven't been, you know, it developed to the point where they play as nicely with the software. And asking all those layered questions, you know, all the way down to sometimes I'll even get to where's the computer sitting? And we'll okay. find out it's in a cabinet. So the hot mm-hmm. air is re- and it's overheating and that's why the system is slowing itself down. Mm-hmm. So it can be something as simple as the physical setup of the room to what's your codec, what's your camera, what's your hard drives, you know, what what cables do you have connected to try to identify anything that could be slowing up that workflow. But it's huge because the value to our customers is making sure that you're not directing dollars at something that doesn't benefit your workflow. Sure. And that's huge because this is a big investment for people and a lot of people it's their lifeline it's their business so you start from that kind of broader question and work your way in until you start to get to the you know i don't know or you immediately identify something where usually within the first three or four questions something will jump out at me is hey this is your this is your problem this is what's holding you up (laughs) uh 
oh dang it i'm sorry i got distracted with comments on the youtube um i had oh so we have a handful of tech consultants um do you guys specialize like are you the photography guy is is uh you know or or do you guys all have a good broad knowledge of our solutions uh, I would say both, believe it or not. Oh. Um, it's our job to be able to do a little bit of everything. I think naturally through some of the passions, um, some of the guys on the team, the guys and gals on the team have those specializations. For example, uh, uh, Gino, who's one of my, my teammates here. Uh, Gino is a, a lifelong DJ. He's a, he's a creator when it comes to music. He knows music setups better than anyone on the team so it's natural when those questions come in mm-hmm. just you want to provide the best experience the best answer for the customer so it's like hey i can answer this to a degree but let me get you with the person who does this in their in their you know as their alternate job or career or hobby whatever it is um you know we have another member of our team who's probably the strongest gamer this could create a lot of a uh, get me in trouble here some gamers are stronger than others i myself am not very good but yeah, um, i'm pretty i'm pretty strong no <laughs> you know i think whenever i have a gaming related question i almost always defer to mark on our team because mark is so much more well versed in what to expect within specific games like i know some of what these games are mm-hmm. but he'll tell you like this is the performance you can get i wouldn't use this part so while we can all do it all we tend to specialize based on what we love yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, actually, we have a great question from Twitch from It's Just a Rainy Day. As a text consultant, how important do you think transparency in both directions becomes to deliver a fairly priced machine? As a company scales and the ground floor gets more separated from the management, how can that blur the motives of the whole company? So I think that's kind of two questions in one. Transparency is is huge. Um, I, I'm a big believer, uh, when purpose is clear, decisions are easy. I I've lived with that motto so much in my life. If you know where the ship is going, you can make decisions when you don't necessarily have the chief in the room to tell you what to do. Sure. Um, and I am a big fan of, of the, the founder of this company um, because Sounds he amazing. believes in, he, he believes in doing the right thing for the customer all the time. And that it's so easy for me to stop in any situation and say, if John's not here, what's the best decision for the customer? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that we, I think the way that we, we avoid some of those disconnects is how integrated we are amongst our different teams. I could not function without Puget Labs, Puget Production. You guys can see the guys behind me here. The guys and gals are down there building systems as we speak. Everything we do so heavily heavily depends on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have to take the information that Puget Labs gets from all their testing and all the, the different things that they do, and I have to interface that to the customer. There can be quirks related to the hardware being assembled that I have to work with production to I, – I can't do my job without the other teams. That creates – you can't function without that transparency. It's not just a slogan on the wall. It has to operate that way or we can't, we can't produce. Um, you know, and, the, and the question, um, you know, as far as, as, far as the you – know, to deliver fairly priced machine, this is a big one. Mm-hmm. 
Because you you know you know as well as I do, you can get online right now and you could find systems for five hundred dollars. Right. You can find systems for twenty thousand dollars. If if I'm not well, it's the same when you go in to buy a car. Mm-hmm. Well, this looks the same as the one next to it. Why is this twenty grand more? This fight, you know. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into that that people can't see. And part yeah. of that, I think it's important to relay that. Um, there's a tremendous amount of testing we do that customers never see. Mm-hmm. The way we qualify components. I mean, we people say, why don't you offer this or why don't you offer that? We test everything from cables to heart. You name it. It doesn't get offered for sale unless it has met a qualification standard. And we track everything from, from noise to temperature, performance, failure rate, quality construction. Does that eliminate some parts? Yeah. It does. And and a lot of people might not be aware that there can be a big difference in the quality of a metal in a component based on where it's produced or who produces it. Mm-hmm. We try to eliminate those. And that can come with the cost, but there's also things on the back end. You know, most builders, when they build the system, assemble the system, put it, put it through QC, and it ships. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend upwards of a day or two, you know, we test memory for stability and performance. We run up to 17, 18 different benchmarks. We essentially were performance tuning and taking the system to its limits because the goal is that when we ship it, we will be able to tell you that this performs how we said it would for how you plan to use it. A lot of, you know, a lot of people don't know we install custom cut bracing in our systems. Yep. We have to have the the training of an employee, the acrylic, the systems to be able to do that. That comes at a cost and it does mm-hmm. affect price. But the end result that we focus on is quality stability. Does the system meet your work expectations reliably? You know, mm-hmm. not something that breaks in six months. And, and to me, it, not to sell like it, it's a um, a sales line, but... <laughs> The thing that speaks the most is this company provides lifetime labor and lifetime tech support on all systems. Lifetime. We will stand behind this as long as you own it. And that sounds like a, a salesy slogan thing, but it's not. It, it's, when a company is willing to say we believe that much in what we do, I think those things are justified. You know, you, that are, I think they speak more to the value, the overall value, not just a dollar amount that's, that's being put on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can speak from experience that we have had machines come in that are 10, 12 years old um, and we 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 will repair or upgrade or whatever. You know, we'll give you the right solution for whatever your problem is. It's I love yeah. those ones. Yeah. People call and say, hey, I've got a Puget system. When I first started working here and understand I'm only about 18 months, two years into this job. So one of my first calls was, well, my, I've got a Puget system. It's 12 years old and it's still running fine. Oh, yeah. But the hardware doesn't support Windows 10, and it's finally time to upgrade. And it was like, wow. Most, a lot of people don't, when you think about computers, what, what's, you know, when you buy a car, he's, how long do you expect it to last? When you buy a computer, oh, yeah. do you ever stop and think, how long should you expect a computer to last? Mm-hmm. Great question. My mind, though, if you're getting between five and 10 years out of a high performance system, that's, that's very amazing. good. And the yeah. closer you get to 10, the more you've got gotten your money's worth, really. For sure. Um, and that could be tough to communicate because it's not, again, end users think about using, they don't think about those factors. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to hopefully bridge that gap for folks and, and it sets some of those expectations of like, here's what I'd, I'd expect you to get out of this. Oh, that's great. Uh, and everybody seems very happy with the answer. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, and, and that dove into a lot of, of good topics too, of, of just kind of the company philosophy and um 
you know, how we're empowered to solve a, solve something without necessarily having to get like the thumbs up from management, things like that. Like um, if, you know, as a, as a builder, I've had experience where um, I, I see something that this isn't, this isn't going to work. There wasn't an incompatibility set already for this. I can't fit this in here because of whatever, or this is a funny way of, of setting things up. And I don't have to ask the boss to fix it. I just know that the right, the right solution. And I just do it. Um, so it, it's really cool. Uh, Don actually has a really good question too. Our, our buddy, Dr. Don Kinghorn, he asks, he says, uh, I know you have gotten some queries about Threadripper Pro. Just curious how much that is coming up. And so I just want to jump in before you answer. I don't know how much we're allowed to talk about this because I think the official, s- again, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to say when we can sell it. But so, uh, <laughs> so I think just have you... I'll rephrase. Have you been getting a lot of questions about Threadripper Pro? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I can just tell you what I can say. Um, folks have seen that AMD has done their, I don't know what we call it, maybe a paper launch, but they've come out and said, here's the product. Here's what we expect as far as specs. That doesn't give us an official date of here's the day we'll have it for sale. And um, But it does tell us here's what you can expect. And mm-hmm. there's a lot um, – I just think it's fascinating, depending on how old you are watching this podcast, you probably remember my very first system was an AMD Athlon, and there was a time where AMD was the king of the world, and Intel started to outperform them strongly for a long period of time, and in the last year, AMD has brought the big guns out. And these Zen 3 cores on these processors are very exciting. And we're seeing, you can see it in our testing results. You go to any one of our hardware recommendations pages, AMD Ryzen and Threadripper are really, really cool pieces of architecture. You notice a, there, there's a lot of technology press, especially online. And technology press can cause a lot of speculation. Yeah. So I always tell folks, whatever you see online, if it's not from the manufacturer, take it with a big grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, cause what happens between announce and launch is often quite different. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then when you get the official announcement, like you did from AMD, that's when you see things all of a sudden the inquiry spike. Mm-hmm. And especially in the last week, I've had a, a ton of questions. Um, what's coming, what do you expect? What's it going to mean? What's it? It's like, Hey, great. Here's what we know mm-hmm. when product is launching and we can tell you, and we can test. Cause again, everything about this company is based on hard data. Here's what we know it will do in this application. And that is so key because we're not speculating based on, we don't have a brand bias. We don't say, Oh, we like this over that. Or we, you know, what does it do for the customer? And that drives the decision-making. So what I can tell you is there's a lot of exciting things about Threadripper Pro. If you go look at some of the specs, even just a Google search of Threadripper Pro, you can see the chip lineup, what we're expecting. Um, from what I understand, there's a few differences in core counts. We're seeing a 16 and a 12 core. Um, love the memory handling. Uh, depending on the type of work you're doing, being memory bound can be a, a big deal. Um, sure. I'm excited for it. Beyond that, there's not much else that I know, um, right. except I think it's going to have a big impact the same way that the last Threadripper did, um, yeah. especially if you're doing anything multi-threaded. Those chips just have a phenomenal ability to do that that work. So uh, hang tight. We know it's, it's going to be coming soon. Yeah. And I, that kind of touches on something, too, the way the testing and things like that. We I know at least from the social media side, we often get comments like, like, hey, why aren't you selling this? Like, it's been out for a while now. Like, when can we expect to be able to handle that? And it's it's good to touch on that, that, um, you know, we don't, 
we don't just start selling something because it's brand new. Like you said, it, it has to match up or, or make sense for our customers. And that's that, I think that's an important thing to highlight. Um, oh, well, great. A lot of factors within that too. Oh, sure. Does it, where does it rank? You know, if we have a top 10 graphics card and that brand new part comes in 11th, doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense to carry it, even though it's brand new. Have we had a chance to test it? How's supply? We're not going to offer it to our customers if we can't put it in their hands. We don't sell things that we can't, you know, our, actually our boss has a great saying, the best computer is one you can get. You know, you yeah. have to make sure you have the parts for the customer. So a lot of factors go into that. Once we know it, it'll do what we, we, we say it'll do, then then we put it for sale. I, I, one of the first things that I loved about this company was the data-driven decision-making. It, it's... Um, I like to say that I I don't I don't have a ticket to the hype train. I ride the patience ferry, and <laughs> <That's> great. <I laughs> like that. And uh, and I think that's 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 true for for Puget in a general sense as well. Like, yeah, it might look good on paper, but we're going to make sure that it works and that it does what it says it's supposed to. Absolutely, I like that. Uh, great Tower from Twitch has a question. He says, uh, "Sup, Houston? Hello." Um, he he's curious about the general schooling path for a tech consultant. Wow. I'm going to be bold on my own here, and I wouldn't say that there is a general schooling path. Um, I'm a big believer that when you hire people, you can hire the person with the best technical resume, or you can hire a person who has just proven to be, in general, good and successful at what they do. We have people in this department that come from a wide range of backgrounds. I have a little bit of a background in tech support. Before I did this, I was a professional announcer. So it just goes to show you that, you know, it it can come from anywhere. Obviously, a good knowledge of computer hardware and a passion for it helps, but it certainly I wouldn't say is a requirement because I can teach you the specs of a processor. You can learn those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think probably the most important thing for a Puget Tech consultant is you have to be excited about what the customers are doing because it's your job. You're such a key link in, in what they do um, was probably the biggest one. A, a passion for computer hardware helps certifications mm-hmm. help. I wouldn't call them a requirement. Um, you know, I'm working on my a plus. It's something I've done part-time for a few years without finishing it. And I'm finally in that last stretch. Things like that definitely help sure. because the customer knows you and trusts you. Who do you think they're going to call when they have a support issue? We have a top-notch support team. Our support guys, I I trust them implicitly. If I've dealt with you for two months, you're probably going to call me first. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't hurt to have that background. Um, but I would say just a general knowledge of the – and if we're going to talk about just general things you need, yeah, good knowledge of computer hardware will certainly put you a step above. The ability to talk to people and care about what they're working on to me is far more important because if I don't have the answer, I am surrounded by a team of people who can help me get it. You know, when I take those calls from MIT scientists, I don't panic. You know, I, I barely got through junior college, but I have a resource in Dr. Kinghorn that I turn to and say, hey, tell me about this. Um, so that would probably be the best answer I can give there. You know, it's just a, a general passion for people and hardware is what helps you fit best into this job. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, you kind of you as the as the first point of contact with a customer, uh, you kind of build that relationship. They trust you. And, and from there, then obviously trust the company. Um, what, how do you handle um, like a support question like that when, when you do get um, contacted from that? Do you just like, oh, hey, you should talk to Ben or like how, how does that go? 
I would say I kind of gauge it um, same way with with asking them about when they're applying when they're trying to get a system. Find some information. What's the problem you're having? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what you were doing? So even if it's just gathering cursor information to hand off to the support team, sometimes I can handle the issue. Sometimes what I'll do is establish the ticket and say, hey, here's what I do know. Here's what I think it might be. Here's our support team. I, and the best part about this is, again, this comes from that. You talked about transparency earlier. Mm-hmm. It is so much easier to do your job when you know you can hand something off to the people around you and they will hit it out of the park every time. And I can hand something. I can copy our support team in an email and say, customer so-and-so, I'm not quite sure. Sorry you're having the problem, but I've copied our support team on this and one of them will reach out to you. And every single time they reach out and handle the issue. Um, so it's great because there's times where I don't have the the bandwidth because I'm I'm slammed with calls and, and emails, and there's times where I just don't know. It's a more complex issue or it deals with maybe something in Linux. I'm not really well versed in Linux. We have guys on our team that are, and mm-hmm. I can hand it to them, and they're able. Most importantly about that too, Houston is what puts the customer first. Me struggling to solve an issue I don't have good knowledge, and that's not a good use of the customer's time or mine. If somebody in our support department who is just ten feet away from me here downstairs can handle that in five minutes, great. Let's get it to the person who can best serve the customer. So. Um, I would say that it's, again, it's just a matter of gathering information and that as silly as it sounds in this whole process, trust is the most important thing. People call, they have to know that you have their best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And typically you hope that the experience will communicate that. Um, and if they trust you to build their system, they'll trust you to solve the issue. And if you follow through on that, it just grows that trust. I think it, I think, I think another thing too, is that, um, that doesn't often show through is, is how close like we we are physically like if there is some weird question about you know hey does this part make sense for this you could like you said the production guys are right behind you you can yeah. just walk down there and i know support has mentioned too like oh we can we can i can literally talk to the the person who put your machine together and and find out why maybe something happened weird during that that part of things and stuff i, I think it's super cool that everybody involved from from start to finish is is right there and available to to everybody it's else a huge difference it really does and people know that i i, I work i have a um uh I, I do a little side gig with a, a ride share i'll go unnamed but one of the things i've experienced is that the local support is excellent when i can walk into someone who works here their call center support is located on the other side of the country and it's mm-hmm. a very disconnecting experience when it's like, hey, not only can I transfer you to support, I know who that person is and I'll follow up with them because they're sitting 10 feet away. You know, everybody here has the same investment in the product. It's not farmed out. In fact, one of the biggest questions I get, do you do remote on-site support? Or, you know, I live oh, in Florida. Mm-hmm. Do you have someone that could fix it locally? No, we don't do that because what we found is that that person doesn't have the same investment in the system that we do. And as corny as that sounds, we believe that much in the product and the experience. Yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was around when we did, uh, we did partner with a, uh, another company to do on-site sort of repairs. And um, I heard plenty of times where they, their experience or the experience that they gave to the customer didn't live up to that initial experience that they got from us. Um, like, well, there, it, don't need to get into specifics, but yeah, the, it, it just wasn't the same. And we, we know our parts, we know our builders, we know that we know the, the um, abilities of not only our builders, but our repair technicians. 
I mean, mm-hmm. these, these are people who have such a unique skill set. And when you know those, you can depend on them, you can trust them, and you know you can take their advice. When this person mm-hmm. tells me something, run with it because they, they've proven time and again that they know what they're talking about. Maybe we touched on this. I'm, I'm forgetful sometimes, but um, I'm curious, what are, what are some of the challenges that you encounter in your work? Um, I would say the two biggest ones for me are, um, number one, we don't have the bandwidth to test everything. Mm. Can't test every, there's too many applications out there. Um, how do you dial it in when a customer calls with a package of applications or workflow and we might only test, you know, 50% of that, or, um, how do you build for that? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too, and I think that I would actually substitute and say, this is the biggest hurdle that I face people. And we all do this. We have biases towards whether it's a brand, a product, a way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I, I have some things I do in my life that I know are inefficient, but that's the way I do it. <laughs> by golly. Um, let me give you an example. I have a customer this week who called and, and in my experience, people tend to update their hardware about every five years ish. Yes, give me a year or two. About that, yeah. What was relevant technology wise five years ago is different. So Ooh, this customer called with way. a uh, um uh is actually for for Photoshop mm-hmm. and a couple other applications and he had assembled a quote on our site using a dual Xeon processor, two processors. Um which was my initial reaction. But you immediately in your mindset go, what was going on in the world seven years ago when this guy built his last system? Mm -hmm. The only Mm -hmm. way you could get a core count that big was to use two processors. And so you walk the customers through the process of understanding, hey, when you have two processors, they share the motherboard, they share PCI slots, they share memory. There's a controller that assigns tasks between them. If the application you're using isn't written to take advantage of that setup, it's not going to be as, as optimal. Whereas nowadays, what's happened in the last seven years, we can get all those on a single CPU in a single memory space, which changes the experience dramatically. Yeah. Um, sometimes breaking through those biases, I'll call them maybe, or mm-hmm. preferences can be very difficult. I've had people listen to me. I, I had a gentleman once at a second graphics card for Photoshop. Photoshop does not use the GPU heavily to begin with. It's not written to even see a second one. Right. And I could hear this gentleman struggling as I told him this. He said, just put it in there for the future. I said, I'm happy to do it, but you have to understand this graphics card will sit there and do nothing. So breaking through that sometimes can be very difficult. Again, where trust becomes such an important thing. Hey, understand you might not, maybe this might not be the way you've done it, but I definitely have your best interest at heart here. So um, that's definitely a big one. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Especially I can see where that'd be a struggle um, because we often will get uh, flack for some of the results, our testing results that we get, and um, which happens across every reviewer or any testing that gets done on with technology. Um, it, it can be hard to overcome those things. When it, and for me, I, I struggle with almost taking it personally because I I believe so much in what we do, and I'm like, look, this is raw data. Like you build the same machine and do the same thing we just did you'll get the same result like you can't it's not because we like intel better you know um so i've learned that as soon as you say one brand they'll accuse you of of loving the other and uh um, that's why i will continually just point to the day it's so so huge i mean you can look at if you look at our cpu testing on some programs you could say hey look 
as far as this program is concerned, the performance difference between this CPU and that CPU is only 3%. The cost difference is $300. Is $300 worth 3%? Doesn't matter what brand it, you know, that, that's where the data becomes invaluable. But sometimes it can be tough. And, the, and, and I have people call and say, I will only work with this brand. Great. Let's build you the best system using the components from that brand. We can do that. You know, we can absolutely accommodate those things. It's just a matter of, um, I think for me, it's a due diligence thing. I want to present all the options and make sure you understand. Our goal here, this is big with technology consultants. If you've ever, I'll never forget when I was a very, very young man, I sold cars and I did it for about a week. I had a lot of success, <laughs> but I'll never forget the sales manager saying, you know, he said, how are you with, uh, with pushing people? And I didn't quite get what he meant until I got out on the floor for the first time. And I had, I sold a few cars my first week, did okay. At the end of the week, I said, this is not who I am. I cannot put people in a decision this way. And one of the things we're huge on here is we don't push you to mm -hmm. a part, to a price point, to a schematic, to a brand. We try to enable you to make the decision with the best information. That is really my job is to interface that information and say, here's what you're getting for what you're what you're about to spend. And I think when a customer can feel empowered and know that, here's exactly, even if it comes down to, we, we've had situations where we take a, a chunk of someone's footage mm -hmm. and test it against the hardware they want to buy and show them a video. Here's exactly what you're going to get for what you're buying. That's huge, you That's know, because so it, it's just, you know, ahead of time, there's none of this. I've done it. I've bought computers and just gone, what's this experience going to be like? I don't even know. You push the button and hope it works, you know, mm -hmm. so it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a, a seed of a question, but I'm not sure quite how to phrase it. How... How do you go about, so, okay, let me rewind a little bit. We put out tons and tons of data, tons of testing articles. Um, how do you, because, and from, I, I come from, I'm an average Joe, right? And, um, and I even sometimes struggle with how do I, how do you then distill the, that, those, those differences, like, oh, it's 3% difference. What does that mean to the customer? Is that that three percent? Is that an hour? Is that five minutes? Like, how do you how do you go about illustrating those differences in a meaningful way to the customer? That can be very tough. It's I would say it's unique to every person. Um, some people will want a very intricate, what I would call more science or data driven answer. Here is the exact frames per second. Here is mm -hmm. the exact voltage. Other customers percentage helps. Hey, mm -hmm. it's about a 3% different. What does that mean? Eh, that's really negligible. You're probably not going to notice. Um, I get that question all the time. One of the most frustrating questions is about memory speed. Constantly oh, sure. people, people get so caught up in memory speed. And if you look at the testing, it's really not a big, there's an old saying that more memory is always better than faster. But if you look at some of the lowest speeds to the highest speeds we use, with the exception of, of gaming, really, mm -hmm. you're talking about a one to 3% perform. You're probably not going to notice that for most day-to-day -day computer users. Um, sometimes you quantify it. Um, you can be more specific. You can say, hey, we experience render times using this graphics card of X. You don't always have, sometimes that can be really hard to quantify for people. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, a gentleman say, well, it takes me, I have to, I hit go and then I walk away for 16 hours. How long will this take? I don't know. 
and, and you have to be willing to tell people, I don't know, I can't get that information. But when we look at the parts head to head, here's about what we see. This card is 20% faster. Does that mean you're going to render 20%? No, but it might give you a general idea of what to expect. There will be an improvement, but there's so many factors that go into that. Right. Your workflow, the footage you're working with, the the settings, you have denoise, what, you know, what filters do you have on there? Um, I always try to get people the best information I can. Here's the stuff I know for sure. Here's what I think. And here's mm-hmm. the stuff I can't tell you. Um, and don't be afraid to tell. And, and the other thing I'll do is I'll reference the people around me. Hey, you know what? I don't know. I don't know enough about that that segment. Let me go talk to Dr. Kinghorn or talk to Matt Bach in, in Puget Labs or William and, and see what they think. And sometimes you can get enough of a picture of an answer. Mm-hmm. But when you take it to the uh, the highest authority, you know, in terms of like, you know, Dr. Nunn. If he doesn't know, I don't know who does. So usually it can give you a good idea. Or if nothing else, you can direct the customer. Hey, I don't know. You should reach out to the company that makes that. They could probably give you a good answer. Nice. Um, it's a little bit of a process, but different depending on the user. Yeah. I thought, that's pretty cool. Um, let me see. I'm curious. Oh. Um, you mentioned before the stream that you uh, you had your production day. Uh, fairly recently, um, I'm I'm curious how that has. So, to background for the audience, um, we encourage cross training from across departments. Um, everybody, most everybody, has um, a bit of knowledge and training in other positions throughout the company. I'm curious, um, especially your time in production, because I think you get a lot of fun out of that. How has that then informed and affected your uh, consulting work? Oh, huge. I can't even tell you. Um, you're hands on with the product. You know what I mean? There's a big difference between anybody who's ever worked in a job where they maybe, I hate using the term sales because that's not what we are. But right. when I sold cars, you get a, here's the, here's the key points. Here's the product information. Have you driven it? Have you lived with the car for a year? If you drag your kids to soccer in it, when you're hands on with the product, with your hands on with our most senior builders, our testing, our install technicians, our QC, everybody down there has knowledge I don't. And when you physically see, I've, I've been there. Let me tell you about this part. I've tried to install it. Here's why it doesn't work. You know, um, makes such a difference. Um, I love, everybody's got a different specialty. For whatever reason, computer hardware is mine. If you put code in front of me, my eyes start to glaze over and I'll quickly be in a coma. Whereas like <laughs> our, our company president, I think would code all day if he oh, had yeah. the choice. Oh yeah. Um, what I learned though, is like, this is what I like. It's kind of fun to me solving that problem. So focus on, on what you like, but getting down there to build the systems, especially when I go down, it's one of my customers I've helped with the order. Um, it also helps a lot with the changes. These are, these mm. are little things again, that customers probably don't ever think, Hey, I've worked on that motherboard. Here's what it actually looks like. And you can send them a picture and say, I've installed this. This will not, this will not fit. Or you want to do it this way because of X, Y, whatever it's temperature, noise, you name it. Um, huge. And it also allows us the ability to, there's a crisis. We need to pull all hands and to help this department. We have people that are already proficient. I can mm-hmm. jump down there and build a system and, I can do 90% of it. What I don't know, I'm supported by people who educate me. And it just makes me better at what I do because my job is to know the hardware. So that's a huge, huge factor. Yeah. And I have to, I have to agree. Um, early on, uh, I would get frustrated with 
um, consultants with big questions about like, well, why did you configure it this way? And because it, it, it was tough to build, right? It's like, man, you're just making my job hard. But I I had to learn to kind of step outside of that. And it's, well, it's not for me, right? It's not about my experience. It's about it's about the customer. And and so having, I did spend a, a I think like a week of half days um, in consulting and I, I it was very refreshing. It, was, it gave a new perspective to things, which was sure. very good. Um, I do want to point out Armando Ferreira says he doesn't have a question, but he just wants to say thank you very much for Armando, building a new computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just got my tracking number and can't wait to use it. I'm super stoked for your computer too. That'll be very cool. Armando has, we had a great consultation. He's got some good, uh, good stuff coming up with that. Keep your, uh, keep your eyes on his YouTube channel. I'm excited to, to see what he's doing with that. Good to see you, man. Me too. Uh, actually, I think I think I may have built one of Armando's first machines from us on stream. I think years really? ago. Yeah, he does have I, another one. Yeah, I want to say that was me. I'm I've I'm pretty sure. Um, but whatever. Uh, Rocky Turtle has from YouTube has a question: Does Puget still build systems for free BSD, uh, i.e., FreeNAS, TrueNAS? Don't know. I'm not sure myself. That's I mean, I'm sure we would. I I know for sure that we don't have any sort of testing or anything involved in that, but um, I'm sure we could if you really that, wanted. Yeah, that's what I would say. And I do tell people, <laughs> it looks like you did build our model system. That was me. The other thing, too, is that there's we can't build everything. So there are some things we do better than others. And we're not afraid if we if we hit a point where maybe it's a very extensive server that just we're not afraid to tell you, hey, you know what? We don't do that. But here's some places we might send you to look because, mm. again, we want the customer to have the best experience. And if it's not us, you know, we're going to focus on what we do best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, that, that, uh, you kind of touched on an interesting side piece, like how or I guess not necessarily how, but um, well, yeah, what do you do when you have to tell a customer, like, we don't do that? We can't do that. Um, it's much easier for me now than when I started because mm -hmm. your instinct as a person is you don't want to say no. You want to help. Mm -hmm. You want to have them be a part of you know our ecosystem. But I'm also a big believer when I talked about that experience selling cars. And, you know, car salesmen have that reputation. I couldn't stand who I was when I knew I didn't do the right thing for the customer. And if we're not the right thing, it is so much more satisfying to tell somebody that and tell them why. Um, if I can piggyback real quickly on the last question, that's a no on free NAS. So uh, oh. Oh. I, I knew in my chat messaging <laughs> that the boss was going to send me while I said, just give it a second. He's going to inform me here. Um but it, it is it is it, that ability to say no. It's it's also the way that you do it. You know, just let sure. someone know I'm doing this because it's what's best for you. Trust me, you don't want to do that here, and here's why. Um, you know, like I said, we don't do everything. We focus on what we do really, really well, which is these. You see it, the stations for content creation, design, engineering, science, those things. And it's not all that we do, but it's what we do the best. And if something's not a fit, we'll tell you. And we typically tend to know where the best fit for that is because we've learned we deal with other companies in the industry so it's a uh, again just best interest of the customer right on yeah all right we do have a question from twitch mpr 1999 asks uh hi future system question for you are the company having issues with prices and supplies of parts like the rest of us are having um i would say that we're not having it like the retail 
public might be having it. Um, Obviously, through partnerships and other things, we do as good as we can on supply. I'd say that's probably better than retail. And I know this is this is hugely frustrating to everybody watching. Let me tell you how much I feel your pain. I take multiple calls a day from people saying, please, can I get a 3000 series graphics card? What do I have to do to get a, get in the Ryzen segment right now? It's tough. Supply is tough. Um, we keep a close relationship with the manufacturers. What are you producing and when? When can we expect it? Um, I would say that while it's certainly not perfect for us, it's probably a little bit better than it is for the general public, which I know can be frustrating. We're going to, as we see these supplies normalize, you're going to see these things coming at retail more and more. Mm-hmm. I, I would just encourage, um, and this is, this is strictly my opinion, speaking on behalf of me, be very careful about where you, where you purchase. Um, I have had people say, hey, I got a 3080 off of OfferUp, and my entire system won't boot. And it's just heartbreaking to talk to someone who it's not our customer, it's not our product. And they, they were so excited for this card, they bought it somewhere and it, it wound up ruining their system. So um, I know it's a frustrating time right now. Supply is getting better each week that goes by and you're going to start to see these things normal, normalize and hopefully prices normalize as well. This is not a 3090 is not a cheap card to begin with, but you hate to see someone, you know, sort of get taken advantage of there. So um we have had some tightness, but it's starting to get better and better. We're very cautious on our website about you'll see some notifications by parts that say, hey, limited supply. That's just to let you know that, hey, there could be a little bit of a delay. Mm-hmm. Expect that when you when you enter into the, the purchase process. All right. Well, there you go. That's a good one. Um, in the UK, oh, he goes on to, to comment that uh, in the UK, AMD CPUs are really available, especially the 5000s, but 5.3s and 2s CPUs are so overpriced. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah. I, we do actually hear that quite a bit from uh, not only the UK, but Australia is another place I get those oh, from. That's always the case. Poor Australia. They they get a raw <laughs> deal on on hardware all the time. It's so sad, it's which tough. is which is really weird considering it's only like a 30-minute flight to where they're actually manufacturing these things. It, 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 Interestingly enough, I, th- I thought you were going to say 30 minutes. It's much longer than a 30-minute flight. Well, I made it a few times. Okay. No, no, you're right. It you're seems, absolutely it right. Seems like Malaysia it's super close, Southeast right? Asia. Yeah. I actually saw a gentleman once break down the cost of buying the product in Australia versus a return trip to LA to buy it in America. And it was actually about $100 more cost-effective to get on a plane and fly to Los Angeles and buy it and bring it back. <laughs> Oh my! The heart goes out to you, Australians. Wonderful, yeah, uh, wonderful country. It is, it is pretty bad. Um, let's see. If we have, maybe I didn't miss any questions from the chat. Just want to make sure I, I'm getting everybody. Um, oh, dang it! Uh, oh, Great Tower. <laughs> he mentioned uh, three to four PhDs from one guy. That'd probably be Doctor Don. I think we're talking about Don. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If anybody's going to have a bunch of them, it'd be, it would be him for sure. Uh, cool. All right. Um, well, I mean, is there anything you would like to mention? I, I feel a little bad that I ran out of my own questions. Not at all. Um, actually, just a couple. The customer, I, uh, Great Tower, go for it on that A+. I feel you. I worked in support for years, and I kind of would work on my A+, a little bit here, a little bit there, and I'm finally finishing it. So the important thing is, is stick it out and stick with it. But um, – I think the biggest thing to anyone watching this is if you have questions, give us a call. 
Yeah. I, I'm always happy to chat with people about hardware. I'll find, we'll always find the time to, to educate you, whether it's about the smallest little thing. Um, you know, it's good to know because sometimes we have information, we have access to information that can um, make that process a lot easier for you. <laughs> Uh, I do want to just mention, and uh, this isn't uh, a comment from the chat at all, but uh, everybody in our marketing team is very, very happy with with you being on our stream today. Oh. And I just wanted to say that out loud to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoy and, it. I, my background is a broadcaster, first of all, so I love being on the air. I've done I've done radio and announcing for years, but I love this stuff. I love hardware, and it, this is so corny. I love our customers. It is so fun day to day when I come in. It's like, what am I going to deal with today? I don't know if it's going to be Hollywood or Joe down the street who can't get a system booting or that scientist. You know, that's what makes this job so fun to me. Is it's very very engaging because of the work customers are doing. So, um, you know, just to reiterate that that we're here to be a resource to people. So if you're in that process with a computer, not to not to hammer it too much, but don't ever hesitate. Reach out. The tech consultants are are a great group, and we love you know hearing about what you're doing and mm -hmm. more importantly how we can help. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'd like to I kind of double down on that too. Like there's a that's that's a big reason why we publish um, all of our testing and stuff. There's no paywall. There's no, you don't have to give us your email address to to read yes. our articles or anything like that. Um, everything we do, all of the decisions we make are are completely out there and transparent. And um, yeah, it's 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 okay to pick our brain about it. And um, that's a big one though, because you know what? I I I've, we've had people. I don't want to talk to sales you know i don't want to be sold well, like, yeah. that's not what we're here for that's why we're technology consultants we are here to advocate for you and uh you know it's the old office space i'm i'm here to talk to the customers so the engineers don't have but it, it really right. is you know yeah. i'm here to take oh. this wealth of information that puget labs creates and th th that is a brilliant team the work they do is just top notch but it is hard to digest you know and it's my job to make that digestible for folks so that they can make a decision that benefits what they're trying to do you, again if you're a content creator you want to create content you don't want to have to worry about the work tool sitting on your desk. You know? right. So I'm um, always glad to help customers. If they have questions, they want to reach out. Wilson says, uh, when you call, just ask for Jared. He's the best. <laughs> I, keep, I keep getting that he went to Jared references oh, all the time. Wow. Never fails, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, it's, it's not as bad as Houston. We have a problem. Hey. When I worked in tech how did support. I not think about <laughs> I used to in college. I used to work the drive up at a Starbucks, and directly oh. across from us was that Jared Jewelry Store. Oh, geez. every customer in the drive up. So shouldn't she be working next Thursday? Oh, hey, you gotta <laughs> go. You know, yep. We're all blessed with those nicknames. So. Yeah, ha <laughs> ha. It's fun. Uh, yeah, right. On. Oh. Um, so NPR 1999 has a, another question. Are, are there, uh, is there any plan for a European center anytime soon? I will just say, as far as I know, no, uh, we want to try to serve everybody. Um, if we can't help you with a system, we do have resources for international customers. We have consulting resources where you can, um, you know, pay for time to have, those prod there's a whole kind of a wealth of them depending on the level you're at whether you're a corporation sometimes what's available parts wise in america might not always be what's available near you um 
so there can be some, but we do have some resources. I would encourage those customers to reach out. Um, we have some international oh, yeah. consultation options. Um, we'll, we'll definitely get you the best info we can as far as overseas, you know, shipment or having a center at this point. I don't, I don't know, but that's kind of, you know, over my, my pay grade as, as far as that, but we're always willing to try to help how we can. So don't mm -hmm. be afraid to, to take advantage of those resources. And I can tag on a little bit more because I've handled that exact question a lot over the years. Um, it, it comes, it does, it does come back to the customer experience. It's really difficult. Um, even Canada, even Canada um, is difficult from um, like, like you said, part sourcing, shipping. There's a lot of costs sometimes that uh, that crop up that are unexpected. Customs will hold your machine uh, for 10 days for no reason. Um, they'll charge you extra taxes and duties and stuff to get it across the border. Uh, and then for the European market, uh, tech support. You guys are eight hours ahead. And that's, that's really, really hard. Um, to have a good support experience. Oh, and hopefully, and just thinking about having to ship it back. If, if there's something like physically wrong and we need to like hands-on fix it. Um, that's, that's an enormous cost um, to us, back to you, back to us, back to you. Uh, it's, it's hard. Um, and and again, to speak to that customs, you know, something coming across the border marked new versus repair, there's a huge, you know, a lot of people don't realize high performance computing can have military applications. Some companies restrict its import and export. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things there. The probably the best way we can serve you is with information. We have consulting services where we can say, hey, where you are, here's the best resource for you. Um, there's there's a lot of value in that, I think, more so than shipping a box halfway around the world. It, it's tough to do. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. Uh, that does put us just a little bit over our hour. Um, is, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say or mention or shout out before we uh, go? Just thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, please reach out if I can help you. I'm glad to, yeah. glad to do what I can. Yeah, this has been a great, I want to thank you to the end of the moon uh, for joining us. This has been a very, very cool, very good conversation with you. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time and joining us today, Jared. You black guys. Yeah. And uh, I'll also like to thank the audience as well. Thank you for joining us uh, for our new Friday only stream. I'll think of a name, something clever, I'm sure eventually. Uh, but so <laughs> if you've already got your reminder set for Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, just keep that one. Uh, but we will no longer be doing a Wednesday stream. Um, but our Friday ones will be more uh, varied. Uh, we'll, we're mixing in consulting, we're mixing in support, and and a sprinkle of our labs team as well. So um, everybody can have a nice, cool lunch with us, and uh, we'll see you guys next time, Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, and we'll see you all next time.